No, really, it's an absolute pleasure. Thank you for taking the time to speak with me. And uh, simply this, how how's your day going so far? Um, it's been good. Uh, I've just been speaking to my friend Michelle, um, and then my other friend Ankuta just sent me a picture of her new haircut. She's always had long. She's very very beautiful. She's a gorgeous girl. Um, oh, I'm just changing my name on my thing. There we go. She's always had uh, long kind of chestnut brown hair. And just today she's cut it and she's now got short red hair with a fringe. Mm. Um, but I said to her, you know, you've got such beautiful bone structure. And she does. She's like a model that everything looks good on you. So because she was like, <laughs> she was kind of scared. She texted me from the hairdressers like, what have I done? And I said, no, mm -hmm. no, 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 don't worry. You look fantastic. She's a beautiful Eastern European, like a Bond girl or something. But um, oh. he's stunning. Yeah, major shift. You're right. They didn't actually... Anyone would panic, I think, at first. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so how are you? Nice to meet you. Tell me tell me what you do. This is your blog, podcast? Tell me. It, it is a little bit of everything. We're games, brains and headbanging, live gbhbl.com for short, just to keep it easier. It's a website. It's been running for a couple of years. And we have a YouTube channel as well as, a, you know, where all our interviews wow. go up on YouTube, on SoundCloud, Spotify and in uh, Apple Podcasts as well, we don't speak, thank, we don't get to speak to a lot of people involved in a horror because that is the area we deal in predominantly alongside the music and video ah. game side of things. We actually do bands more than anything else. But when we do get to speak to someone in a horror, at least I get to speak to someone in the world of horror, I do very much enjoy it. I've spoken thank to you. actually, funny enough, some of your co-stars, but we'll get to that a little bit Ooh. <laughs> later on. Um, You must be very busy at a moment promoting not one but not even two but three movies Me. at once you know you're talking how to kill monsters punch and rather dracula is it as manic now as it currently seems or has it calmed down a little um i mean i am busy but it's good to be busy i mean i think that's the thing with acting as you go through kind of um peaks and troughs so I'd kind of rather be running around and keeping busy rather than because sometimes in my career, I've had months where you literally sit by the phone waiting for it to ring and, you know, and you you begin to go mad because I think mm. be, having nothing to do, you have too much time for introspection and you start, well, I do anyway, I start to think of all the mistakes I made and why did I say that to that man five years ago or whatever. So um, I'd actually kind of rather be busy. So I feel very lucky, actually. Um yeah 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 look i guess the last thing you want to be doing is sitting as you say sitting at the phone and wondering why isn't it caught why isn't it why isn't, why it, ringing? isn't it ringing why does no one want me <laughs> um going back a few weeks uh fright fest in london what experience mm. to be part of was that your first time attending the horror film festival and did you enjoy certainly it certainly not my first time mm. um I always enjoy it. I love Fright Fest. I think it's my spiritual home now. Um, and it's probably my favorite of all the festivals because I go to, you know, several throughout the year. But um, it's kind of the mecca for horror people. Um, and it's great to be around, you know, fans that genuinely love and enjoy the genre. Um, yeah, you know, kind of rather than bringing a horror to a festival, which is like, rain dance or something where they get like a mm. whole variety of films so at, at fright fest i can always be assured of an audience that's going to really appreciate it and really love it um 
no, I've been going, God, I think the first time I went was with Heretics, which is now called The Convent, which I can yeah. never remember. I think it was called The Convent to go to America or something, which is uh, Paul Hyatt's um, uh, horror film about a bunch of possessed nuns. Mm-hmm. That was like 2016 or something. It's a many, many years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I've been going for a long time. But it's it's great fun and uh, gets better every year. Yeah, it does seem to continue to grow and grow. I always wonder if it's one day it's going to somehow out um, out outlive the the Leicester Square area because it's getting bigger and bigger. And then it's like, well, where yeah. else would it bloody go? Well, I mean, it's already moved a few times, hasn't it? I think it mm. began life at the Prince Charles, yeah. which is the smaller one, and then this year we were in the Cine World. Can you? There was wasn't it at a different screen at one point as well? There was one. There was a year when they were on two two different buildings. I think both in Leicester Square. Am I misremembering? Yeah, I, I don't quite remember. My my kind of experience with it has always been the combination of the big Odeon Cine or whatever it is now slash the Prince Charles around the corner yeah. as well, and then jumping between the two and the several screens that they have inside the uh, bigger one. I hope it doesn't leave Leicester Square because I think it's um. It's nice to be in the centre of town and it's accessible to everybody and it's an exciting part of London. It's always kind of buzzing and dynamic. Yeah. So do I you, hope. Do you live in London? Yes, I live in Ealing in West London. So I can get, I can pop in and out with ease, which is nice. So yeah, you know the city well then. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about Wrath of Dracula first then. You played a character of Maria and you worked with Steve Lawson again. Okay. This is not your first time. (laughs) Um, I guess the question is, what was interesting about this role for you? So um, I wanted to do it, first of all, because I love Steve. He's amazing Mm -hmm. to work with. He's very chilled and laid back on set. Um, So there's never any sense of kind of pressure or tension or people. Often sets can be quite high pressure environments because you're trying to get the shot and the sun's going down in 15 minutes and Whereas Steve kind of doesn't have any of that and it's always feels very relaxed. So um, I liked, I enjoyed working with him on Ripper, which was the first time I worked with him, but it was quite a small part. It was a good part, but just small. Um, And I was kind of hoping that like next time I might have something a bit more substantial to do. So um, I was really, really thrilled um, to be offered the role for that reason. Um, He didn't make me audition, which was also nice. It was just a straight offer, which is always... (laughs) (laughs) always nice um I like the role because she is I play Maria who is one of Dracula's brides Dracula well in the novel and in our film has three brides that live Mm. uh in his castle with him um and you you kind of find out as the story progresses that like how did she become his bride she was uh he abducted her from the local village so there's a kind of she, she kind of became his bride against her will almost um and she's kind of I would say the most intelligent of the three brides and the one who's been there the longest and the one who's kind of almost the matriarch of the three of them which is interesting um and it's that interesting question of you know how much of what she does is her own free will and how much is the fact that she's been hypnotized by him and they have a weird relationship um kind of abusive like he's kind of almost violent with her at times so it's there's a lot to kind of chew through and a lot to kind of work 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 in um 
yeah it was very very interesting and uh, very challenging at times and I felt lucky to have the chance to do it it's an interesting one, really, because, of course, I mean, there's been untold um, works around Dracula so in some many. form or another, yeah. from big ones to small ones and so on, but not many that kind of revolve around the bride aspect of things. There's some Hammer stuff from mm. the 70s, but um, did, did, did that cross your mind that you had an opportunity here to do something that not many others had done? Yeah, I mean, I think... This adaptation that Steve's written is more feminist. I think it, he does. It's a, because the original title of the film, which is now called Wrath of Dracula, it was actually originally the working title was uh, Mina Harker. And it was Ooh. so the story is kind of that's interesting. I think the story is told from Mina's perspective. Uh, and in the original novel, Mina stays home in England and is a bit more of a kind of passive character. She sort of waits for Jonathan to return and then she spends a lot of time being chased around and things. Whereas in the in this version, Steve has uh, presented Mina as a kind of strong, tough woman. She has a more, she's a more active agent. So she goes herself to Transylvania, uh, you know learns how to fight studies kung fu breaks into the castle to take mm. on dracula herself you know so i like i like that aspect of it yeah. i like the fact that she's you know just, just portrayed in a less passive light um i mean some of that is to do with the time that the book was written obviously but um of course yeah um so you know i i was pleased to be involved um yeah just in in something that's kind of showing women in a more powerful role maybe yeah it's it, it, it's a it's a nice it's a nice shift it's a nice change it's a fresh idea which is always welcome in horror in itself this was shown at fright fest um do you what were you able to sort of gauge the audience reaction to it and we kind of pleased uh unfortunately it wasn't shown at fright fest oh um, I thought this it, one was shown no at no problem fest. no it's okay the other two films were shown at fright fest it, i know it's hard to keep up i can barely keep up myself mm. <laughs> So it was. It went out straight on Amazon Prime about two weeks ago. I would say that the response has been really positive. I got a lot of kind of messages and like people, fans, friends writing to me saying they enjoyed it. So um, yeah, I think people have. You know, I think people like it. There's always that part of me that thinks are people just saying nice things to my face because you know? mm. so you've always got that kind of. It's hard to tell, but. Um, the film also has this kind of kung fu action element to it, which I think is interesting. Um, I've not seen many films that combine vampires with kung fu. So it's also kind mm -hmm. of attracting uh, like a different audience of people who enjoy like Jackie Chan movies and stuff like that. And um, the lead actress who plays Mina, Hannah Bang Benz, is a really good martial artist. So there's like lots of scenes of her like doing amazing things that I can't do. Um, <laughs> so... Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of, it's got like that broad appeal to a lot of different audiences. Yeah, yeah, um, you are right. I mean, people will, uh, you are right to be suspicious almost of people saying yes. nice things to your face <laughs> because um, online is often then where it falls apart as a bit of anonymity turns people into pretty yes, horrendous creatures. Absolutely, <laughs> yes. But um, yeah, it does seem to be doing well, obviously going on Prime as well. Um, do you, do you, ever concern yourself with 
the burying of movies that can sometimes occur when it goes digital on video on demand and so on, when there's so much released all the time from a wide array of um, creators, sometimes things can get overlooked. Is that something that's uh, even crossed your mind about this? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it absolutely is a big worry. Um, and I've seen so many films, both you know, films that I've been in myself and then films that like friends of mine have been involved with that do beautifully at festivals and everyone mm-hmm. loves them and then they get released and just disappear. Yeah. Um, and I think it is a huge problem with independent cinema that there is kind of, unless you're one of the really big studios that just have millions to pump into publicity, it's really very difficult to kind of to find an audience for your movie. And even, mm. I mean, I feel quite strongly that there is an audience who would love Dracula and who would love, you know, many of the films that I've been involved with, but just we kind of can't find them. Um, and it's really hard to get your film in front of, in front of their eyes. Um, and the festival world can be a bit of a bubble Um and I think it can be quite easy to fall into that trap of going to the festivals and thinking everyone loves my film yeah. and forgetting that like, well, actually this is like a, a little microcosm and, and yeah. outside of the bubble, you know, um, you know, trying to get it in front of like the average person on the street is really hard. Um, and it's something I wish, you know, I, you know, I wish there were a, a more of a kind of pathway for, for indie filmmakers to get their stuff in front of audiences. Yeah, something that maybe, as you say, doesn't involve spending a lot of money because that seems to be the only solution, unfortunately. Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, all of this... Yeah, I mean, the big studios have so much money to pay for posters on the underground yeah. and on, on the sides of buses and stuff, which, which is just not accessible to yeah. the indie filmmaker. So... um I mean, it would be wonderful if, like, your local multiplex could have, I don't know, on a Sunday they have a few slots where they show mm. indie, indie stuff. Um, yeah, like if, if, there, if there could be more support from kind of local communities and stuff. Yeah, we already kind of mentioned it's kind of why we personally have like a lot of love for the likes of the Prince Charles Cinema, a more independent um, cinema that shows more unique uh, movies because the only cinemas that are around like me, my local area into London are all seemingly predominantly uh, the big the big brands and they're never really going to put those films on. Well, and I think the thing is as well, the great thing about independent cinema is that you can be more experimental and you can take risks and you can make weird, dark, kooky stuff that may or may mm-hmm. not work. The thing about the very big studios is they have so much money riding on it. Like they've yeah. invested millions, but they have to make their money back, which means that they can't afford to take any risks. So, so you get the same formulaic stuff churned out year after year because it's definitely going to make its money back you know that's why we're seeing fast and furious number seven or whatever we're on to now yeah. um and as, as much as you know i'm sure it does make money i don't know that it can honestly be said to be great cinema um so it would actually be beneficial from an artistic point of view <laughs> um but i guess it's i suppose the filmmaking is about money ultimately um it's an issue that exists in almost every aspect of media. You, If you're in a band, a small local band, you'll struggle mm. to promote your work there. If you're a small video game developer, you 
struggle to promote your work there, book writer, whatever it yeah. is. We we like to say it's word of mouth still counts, although it's word of mouth that online more than anything else. Shout about yeah. it in the comments. Social media. Person. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, um, let's talk about Velma then from Stuart Sparks, uh, How to Kill Monsters, a very different role altogether, and uh, a seemingly much larger production. When you got involved in this, was it automatically, I want to play the role of Velma? Was it offered to you? Did you audition for it? So I got involved uh, kind of almost by accident and by chance. Oh. I wasn't slated to appear in this movie at all. And it was going ahead without me. Um, fine, you know. <laughs> and then I was on Facebook one day just scrolling and I saw a post from Stuart saying, the original actress had dropped out for some reason or was suddenly unavailable and he needed someone to film Monday morning. Could someone, uh, is anyone available basically? And I think this was, it was either Friday evening or Saturday morning. So I had like about 48 hours and I almost didn't reply to the advert because it was so kind of last minute. I thought, mm. oh God, can I be bothered with, you know, <laughs> terribly lazy of me but um yeah I'm very very glad that I did respond so I wrote to it might have been Cal O'Connell actually the producer and said yes I'm available and they said would you mind doing a quick audition and I said yeah sure um so I've auditioned over like a, a video I've made like a video of myself sent it off um mm -hmm. and I think they booked they said they booked me to do it on like Saturday night to start on Monday morning wow. um so very very last minute I didn't really know what I was getting involved with. I didn't realize, I'll be honest, I didn't really realize how good they were. Mm. <laughs> and I think if I had realized, I might have been, um, yeah, I, I, just, I just kind of didn't, didn't. I now, now I know who they are and I've seen how good the film is. I saw it at Fright Fest and I was mm. so impressed. And as you say, a much bigger production. Um, and it's just really, really good. You know, it's like a really, really good writing, excellent script. All the other actors were fantastic. Um, really funny and like genuinely humorous. So many horror comedies are not really that funny at all, in all honesty. And this was genuinely yes. funny. Um, and I think if I had known how good it was, I might have been a bit nervous about kind of turning off with one day's notice. As it was, I didn't really know what I was getting into. So I sort of turned up kind of, I think I think I remember I was standing outside. It was in Leeds, so I'd had to get mm -hmm. the train up to Leeds with very little notice, um, and sort of standing about that morning with, with I had my coffee cup, sort of where am I going? Hmm? Over oh, what? Yes, who are you? Hello. <laughs> in a kind of I just didn't know what I was getting involved with. So um, yeah, I was very very pleasantly surprised. It was awesome. So did you not get did you get any information about the character what the role might be like something to I read mean, on you, your journey you get up? A... i can't remember now whether i was sent the full script or whether i was sent whenever i when you audition for something you don't get a lot of information generally speaking you get a quite vague sort of i think this description was um velma is in her 20s she is mysterious and uh we need a strong screen presence and that could kind of mean anything wow, really yeah. and it's kind of it's so a lot of the time they're looking to sort of see what you can make of it almost um so you don't have a lot to go on and you just kind of have to give it a bash and see um so it turned out to be uh 
so the film opens with uh, the sort of stereotypical, well, the archetype rather of the people in a cabin in the woods, mm-hmm. um, and something something goes wrong. They summon a monster, sort of thing. So it turned out, and 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 Velma was kind of the the lead antagonist of that uh, whole um, setup. So it was actually a really, really good, really interesting role. Um, and I was, I yeah, I've walked into that accidentally, fell into it. What a lucky girl am I? <laughs> yeah, overall, like you, you, you're satisfied. You're happy that you did it, regardless of all all the things that could have gone wrong. It turned out well. <laughs> I yeah, I, I can't believe if I had known how good it was. I think I would have been a lot more eager to please. Um, because yeah, I didn't realize how good they were, and I was almost like, eh, do I want to bother going to Leeds? Eh, I don't know. Whereas I, yeah, thank goodness I did because it's awesome, and Lindsay Crane in the lead is phenomenal and does several different sides of her character and does a whole journey and is utterly convincing. And yeah, I was just really, really impressed. <laughs> Have you seen it yourself? Not fully yet, no. Right, it's good. I am looking forward it's, to. It's genuinely good. Yeah, because I do, uh, I do enjoy a good horror comedy. As you said yourself, I do one hundred percent agree with you. Horror comedy is a term I tend to look at with a little bit of a side eye. Yeah, me of the too. Comedy aspect. Yeah, but it was actually for once genuine humour. Yeah. Forward to it. All right. Finally, there is Andy Edwards' punch. So, yeah. your involvement in this—how did that come about? What made you want to do this? Well, you'll you'll laugh. This was even more short notice. So, mm. um. Again, I wasn't slated to be involved in Punch either. And I was walking down the street in Ealing about two o'clock in the afternoon, minding my own business. When I got a text from Andy saying uh, he sounded slightly frenzied and frantic. And it was, can you get to Brighton around 8 p.m. this evening? Are you free? (laughs) I was like, yes, I suppose. (laughs) So, um I mean, I kind of don't know what this says about me as an actress, but I'm never anybody's first choice for anything. I'm always a kind of last minute addition, <laughs> but um, I've decided to take it as a positive. Mm. Um, so I got, yeah, and again, I had very little idea of what I was getting involved in because it was such short notice. So I just got the train down. I think I had to more or less turn around in the street and walk toward the nearest train station um, to get to it's either Brighton or Hastings. It was somewhere mm. by the sea. Um, and that's another really, really good film, um, which I, you know, I really enjoyed watching. I'm always impressed by the standard of what they've put together on such a low budget. Um, and Andy's fantastic. It's um I read a, a lovely review of it actually, which said that it really u- utilizes that um the location of the seaside in Brighton. Like you can almost taste the the sea air and the vomit on the steps and the <laughs> and there's lots of kind of like there's a whole set piece inside this abandoned games arcade and I think the thing about those kind of seasonal places is there's so much fun when they're in season but I think when yeah. they're out of season they're almost kind of left derelict and it, there's it's almost kind of spooky in, in the out of season months um yeah, but again, another beautifully constructed, very British, sort of a very British take on a kind of what's usually a classic American kind of slasher film, but in 
yeah, Andy said he wanted to do an American film in the most British setting possible. Um, so yeah, again, very lucky to be involved. I keep stumbling accidentally into fantastic jobs. Yeah, what incredible opportunities um, <laughs> to come from him. And, you know, to ever get a text, ever get a message, ever get a phone call of someone saying to you, hey, well, it is short notice and um, you may not have been the yeah. first choice, but they still coming <laughs> for you and knowing that you are reliable and good at what you do. So can you, you know, and the fact you're able to, in that position to be able to go, oh my God, I've got six hours to get the Brighton. I can do this. And um, yeah, it's incredible that it's all turned out so well. I think that's the thing about acting is, you, as I said at the beginning, you do have several weeks sometimes with just nothing to do. And then you have to be kind of available to leap at sort of a moment's notice. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a ride, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It is indeed. Well, I'm going to put you on the spot then, if you wouldn't mind. Ooh. Of those three roles we've just discussed, which has been your favourite character to play? Ooh. I can't answer that. It's not fair to. It isn't fair. I know. <laughs> it isn't. I mean, each one gave you something new and fresh to do. Yeah, exactly. And they're all that? they're all different, and they all had. Yeah, they all give me something new to do and, and a mm. different challenge. And there were three lovely creative teams, three really interesting characters. Um, I mean, well, Velma and Maria were probably more substantial roles. I only had quite a small part in in Andy's film, but I yeah. was still very happy to, I'm happy to be involved. <laughs> happy to just be. It's nice to be on set and work with people, and it's always kind of a thrill just to be there. And anyone, anybody that's kind of following your career, even if it's a small role, a bigger role, just starts to see you more and more. I've seen several movies you've been in. The Covenant, you mentioned, of course, already. Webcast, The Tombs, uh, Ripper's yeah, Revenge. That was years ago. Yeah, it was, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, the Tombs, uh, Ripper's Revenge, and The Lockdown Hauntings, yes. if you remember that one as well. Now, that one really intrigued me um and i want to pick your brains about it for just a moment mm. purely because i've never gotten the opportunity to talk with someone who was involved in a horror movie based in the covid times mm. was it as baffling an ex as an, an as was it as baffling an experience as it looks like it was and can you reflect on it in an enjoyable way now i can reflect on it i mean it, it's always been a positive memory um mm. It was very odd filming during the COVID period, you're right. Um, normally there would be a set with a crew and lots of different people around. This was very unusual in that it was just me and Howard. Yes. Uh, we filmed it in my own house because we couldn't, you, you weren't allowed to go outside of your bubble, I think. Yeah. That were the rules at the time. So um, we got around that by... Well, Howard filmed in the actors' own houses, so nobody, none of the cast met, uh, and we were never in the same room at the same time. And nobody, well, other than Howard himself, no one left their own house to do this. Um, it also meant that poor Howard had to do every job himself, so he was directing, doing the cinematography, and that he was holding the camera, doing the sound with like setting up my microphone, um, even like props he had to organize himself there were I remember there was one scene when the door was meant to bang shut and I was meant to kind of turn around with a sort of yeah. <gasps> and it was poor Howard had a camera in one hand he had to pull the string for the door with the other hand and you know the 
poor guy he had like 10 jobs um he had to do a bit of acting at one point there was a, a bit where i was meant to glimpse a sort of dangerous looking figure in the background yeah that was howard himself dressed he had to like put a thing on his head and stand there and be in the film as well as behind it so um i had a lot of admiration for him when i saw how hard he worked to like mm. um yeah so it's it's but i think that's the great thing about the filmmaking community is we all kind of came together and pooled our resources and made it happen um all those actors opened up their own homes sometimes i mean i live alone but some actors live with a partner so their partner would find themselves either holding a boom or like suddenly in the film as like a you know a, a person with two lines or something so it's just everyone kind of it's like the war effort you know you all come together and make it happen <laughs> An it's an incredible slice of history. Hopefully, uh, an experience that you never have to relive to some yeah. degree. Of course, were you then not surprised, but were you pleased then to sort of see the end result turn out as strong as it did? I was amazed about how good it looked. Actually, um, similar to um, How to Kill Monsters, because you only see a very small bit of it. Like when I was on How to Kill Monsters, I only saw that cabin in the woods which was just one set you know that someone had constructed a little cabin set yeah. and I was really taken aback by the broader scope of the film when I saw it I was like god there's loads of locations and there's loads of actors I never met and loads of and it was the same with uh, with Howard's film um so many different actors um I think the Candyman himself was in it at one point so like you know <laughs> quite big American stars and you think oh yeah. my goodness so I'm always taken aback by the scope of the film when it's finished because I only ever see one little bit of it. Um, yeah, I'm I'm always impressed by people's talent and, and and like Howard's talent in editing the whole thing and pulling it all together. Uh, are you comfortable watching yourself back? Is that something you've grown to be more comfortable what uh, doing? Um, yeah, I, I can watch myself back. Um, you sort of have to when you, mm. if you go to the, if I want to go to Fright Fest and see the film and be in the room, and then you, you kind of have to watch it. Um, I mean, it's great when I work with a good creative team because I know that they will film me in such a way that they will make it look good almost. Your yep. performance kind of hinges on the people around you to an extent because if they are good, they pull you up to their level. Um, so it's not, yeah. And, and, you know, and, and beautiful cinematography can make anyone look wonderful, you know, by the time they've lit you wonderfully and shot you beautifully and, you know, <laughs> everybody looks better than they do in real life. So, um, I am comfortable, but it's because other people make me look good. Well said, well said. Um, okay, go on back to your history really did you always want to act is that something that's always been there and particularly at what stage did you find yourself leaning towards horror I did always want to act it was always my dream since mm. I was a little girl um and I always yeah I just set out to try and bring it about um I didn't really know how to do it or how it's, it's one of those things that's very difficult. People still ask me today, you know, how do I get into acting? And I, even nowadays, I still don't really have an answer for mm. them other than kind of a vague, 
well, just keep turning up and give it a go. <laughs> you know, I don't, there's kind of, even now, there's no real set way to get into it. So anyone who's trying to get into acting, you spend a lot of time kind of blundering about and trying trying this thing and that doesn't work. And okay, I'll try something else. And so I spent most of my youth doing that, kind of trying things with varying degrees of success. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, I fell into horror everything I fell into everything by accident from that that's my answer to everything I got I think Paul Hyatt's the convent was the first one I got um mm-hmm. and I got that I kind of got that by accident as well it's nothing is by design I they had already cast most of the main cast so most of the nuns had been cast and I had missed I guess the casting call had already gone out a month before and I missed it or I wasn't aware of it happening. Mm. And I got called in. I'm not quite sure why, but they still hadn't cast Lilith. She was sort of left or they hadn't found anyone or something. So I was, I managed to get an audition for that. And it was kind of several months after everyone else had auditioned and parts had been given out. And I'm nearly always an afterthought in these stories. (laughs) Um, And I think... It was a weird audition because Lilith didn't speak. So she, you have to sort of, which I, I actually find a lot harder. You have to convey what she's going through physically, through how mm. you move. And I remember it was Paul Hyatt and Marcia Duvales, if I'm saying that right, in the room. And they kept telling me to try and walk as if you're possessed. And it's like, um, okay. <laughs> yeah, um, what do you what do you what do you use for, as an example oh, for that? Um, I can't remember what I did now. And I think I had come I had come dressed really inappropriately. I had like a pretty red dress and high heeled shoes. I don't know where I thought I was going in retrospect. <laughs> um and then the audition was like, crawl around on the floor like you're possessed, and me in this like red dress crawling on the floor trying to look possessed. But um yeah, I don't know how I got that either. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was kind of the first one I did. And I didn't think at the time it would lead to anything else. It was just just a job I stumbled yeah. into. And then, um, no, I was very lucky. I think once you do one, you kind of, it's, it becomes easier to get the next one because then you can, when you Point go to the next audition, you have experience and you kind of, and you get to meet people in the horror world like when you go to festivals you meet a lot of other directors and they're doing stuff and um yeah the ball kind of starts rolling um and I've learned not to turn up in a red dress and pretty shoes anymore to the audition wear something appropriate (laughs) so unless the unless the message says turn up wearing that because that's what the role needs it, ne- um, it never does in my experience. <laughs> I wish. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, what about the potential of being typecast as a horror queen, as it were? Does that bother you? Do you like the sound of that? Is it something that you find is already beginning to happen? Um, because ultimately your credits for horror are easily outnum- outweighing everything else. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with being typecast and doing the same the same genre. Um, yeah. I love horror. I think it's a really good genre. I love the fans. There are people who really enjoy it and want to want to watch it. So why not? Mm. Um, and I think there is, 
like of those three films, Maria and Velma and the Lady and Punch, they're all different characters. So yes. I'm still, you know, I think I'm still displaying versatility within the genre. So I um I don't know that I'm I I don't feel that that's typecasting because it's mm. there were there were three very different people that I played. Um so no, I mean I'm very happy in horror. Uh yeah, I mean I'm I'm lucky to be surrounded by great creative people. It's a lovely community. I'm yeah, I'm very happy. <laughs> lots of creative I said lots of creative people doing creative work, allowing yeah. that while it is horror and living within that world, and maybe a lot of the time it's resulting in you being uh, a victim, a dead, killed off here do this the roles are often so wild, wildly but, but they're different. So different i mean like yeah because dracula is a sort of period mm. piece how to kill monsters is a kind of rollicking horror comedy um punch is a sort of seaside drama with some commentary on social class and the character i play is a member of um oh god what are they called the group the political group that um protest about climate change um like just stop oil no the ones that dress in the red oh i know oh uh oh, <laughs> should no. i google it <laughs> oh no um oh man it's right there i, I know Extinction Rebellion. Of course it is. <laughs> but you get my point anyway. The wider point is that within the genre of horror, there are three entirely different pieces. Yeah. So um, I actually think it's a bit, it's kind of patronizing and almost kind of degrading when people say, oh, well, all she does is horror. Mm. But yeah, but within horror, I've done, like those are three entirely different films, tonally different, different characters, so, I, yeah, I, I don't accept that I'm just doing the same thing over and over again. It's the the sort of term as well for Scream Queen is something that was coined a very, very long time ago. And it's often just attached almost to any woman in horror yeah. that does um, a certain number really more than anything else these days. Um, it, it's, it could be, both be equally frustrating while also to some degree seen as a badge of honour. I mean, again, I don't mind. It's, you know, I think most people mean it in a fairly positive way. Yeah, and, I think so. And I think, you know, I do understand that, like, journalists or whatever, they need sometimes a shorthand when they're mm. writing an article. So it is a kind of a shorthand way of expressing what I do. Um, of, of course, in reality, what I do is more complex than that. But it's okay. Oh, yes. Considering your incredible <laughs> list of credits, it's amazing. Now, you, uh, I hope this is accurate because according to INDB, your first credited role was 2015, was in 2015. Do you I remember that? that's right. What so, is my oh, first credited role? <laughs> oh, I didn't add that. It was because I was kind of wanted to focus on the big, well, basically, yeah, that was yeah, eight yeah. years. That was eight years, 2015 oh, to see. 2023. Yes. Um, and an incredible list of credits with a wide array of roles so do would you reflect on the past eight years and see yourself as having achieved so much do you 
can you quite be- can you can you believe that you've achieved so much in that period of time? Has that sunk in? Well, I mean, I I haven't achieved all that much. I mean, goodness me, oh, um, incredible list. You're very kind. You're very kind. Um, I feel just lucky to be working uh, regularly. I think that's what I would say. It's because so many, you know, I know what it's like because I was a struggling actor for a long time with, you know, and and I know what it's like to go to like. 20 auditions in a month and not get any of them and then think oh you know um Mm. so the fact that I'm even kind of booking stuff regularly and I've got like work coming in and they're all like interesting projects with like um interesting like characters with depth to them to play so as long as I'm as long as I'm working I'm happy um but yeah I I don't know that I've achieved marvelous success but uh you know I'm even to be working, I think, is is success. To be busy is success. So I'm very happy. To be happy is all that matters. To be busy is fantastic to hear. But that, you know, combined with happiness, um, what more can anybody ask and hope for yeah. for for your career? Exactly. So I've had the pleasure of speaking with uh, several women in horror over this past year, including one of your co-stars from Ripper's Revenge, Rachel Warren. Oh, um, yes, I love Rachel. I saw her yeah. on, on Wednesday, actually. She's in Rise of the Foot Soldier, Vengeance. Um, and I was. she very kindly allowed me to come to the uh, the first screening of it in Leicester Square. Um, and I went along because I think it's important to support, you know, indie British film and kind of, you know, get the film out to a wider audience. So yeah. I did the whole thing of kind of going along and social media posting about it and, it's it's great that we you know support each other's projects in that way. She's always very nice about stuff I do as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've all got to pull each other up, right, in some way. Yeah. I've also had the pleasure of speaking with the film, the directors, writers, and more. And what it is signaling is a shift in horror. It's gradual, but it is notable now, and it is growing. Um, and I kind of want to get your perspective on this changing face of horror and what needs to be done to encourage more women to be involved. I mean, I think what Steve has done with Mina Harker is a good example um, in that, as I said earlier, he made the leading lady a lot less passive. I think um, traditionally women are used as kind of the victims. So you find yourself sort of, I mean, I've done it myself, you know, the sort of running away from someone someone with an axe or this kind of thing. Um, And there is a, a... You know, when you think of it, you know, the, the, the amount of films that seem to be focused on endless shots of dead women um you know why do we need to show quite so many images of of ladies dead in various <laughs> and, and and it's interesting even even in death you're still expected to be attractive <laughs> um you know i remember dying i've died nude a few times and i always think could i not have died with my clothes on what is do i have to be nude while dead um, even in death, I am not released from the need to look attractive. Um, I think what's what is interesting, though, is the fact, for instance, so I told you that the original title was Mina Harker. Yeah. And the distributor changed the title to Wrath of Dracula. So mm. the distributor obviously feels that a title which has the word Dracula in it is more likely to sell copies than a title with the woman's name in it. Um, 
so I think that's worth it looking at the advertising mm. like how is this being sold what images are we what images do they feel they're presenting to the public that will sell um the image at the on the kind of poster on the front of the DVD is of it's mainly the man and he's biting her neck and you can't really yeah. see her face so she's again portrayed in a sort of well she's being bitten <laughs> you know and then this is the, the main victim. yeah exactly that that was the main image um I will also say uh, I worked on a film called Hollow a few years ago. The leading actress, Pat Garrett, wonderful actress, lady in her 60s. And it's her story. It's all told. She's the main character. It's all told from her perspective. Stunning performance. And when it came to distribution, the distributors said that they would require a younger woman to be on the cover of the DVD because they can't have a lady in her 60s as the the front image and the image that was chosen for that poster is a younger mm. lady um so i think that's also worth thinking about you know that um i think it's not coming from the directors themselves or the writers yeah. because steve wrote that story and wanted it to be about mina yeah. Uh, Jonathan Zaurin wrote that story about um, Pat Garrett and, and wanted Pat to be on the poster and they were not allowed. So the distributor who took the film, bought the film and distributes it, they make the decision as to how that film is packaged mm. and what is presented to the public. So I think it's often the distributor that is making these decisions about, oh, we need a younger woman. Oh, it, the title can't have the woman's name in it. So so. I think maybe that's the the thing that needs to change. Um, you know, I would have loved it if Pat could have been, you know, because she deserved to be the image on the front of the DVD. Um, or maybe if, if we could have retained the original title for Dracula, or these sorts yeah. of things. So it's only small things, but I think it shows you. It's just it, it tells quite a quite a lot. You can tell quite a lot from those details as to how the film is packaged and presented to the wider world. And considering uh, using Roth the Dracula specifically as a uh, as the example of the most modern example we have, um, it's twenty twenty three, and that's that's still happening. I find that incredibly uh, frustrating to hear, really, if I'm honest, because as a horror fan, as someone that works these days, because I've seen so much over my life to tend to just go well, that one has this title and that is what I'm going to do I won't read a synopsis because I don't want to color my view and I'll just watch this based off here's a title Wrath of Dracula is far less interesting of a title than Mina because simply yeah that 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 tells me if I saw that title it tells me oh this is going to be different and it's going to clearly do this Wrath of Dracula sounds almost just like quite generic uh, yeah a re a re yeah. almost like a retread of an attempt to be a hammer horror from the 70s and those aren't going to work so i find that really frustrating to hear well i think the distributors obviously think that the public won't buy a film called mina harker but i think maybe mm. maybe they're underestimating the public because you've said that you would still be interested and i think a lot of people are not as unenlightened as as all that and i think a lot of a lot of people would be interested in, in watching mina harker so maybe they're underestimating the public um, I think it's insulting almost to a degree. It is insulting to your intelligence. I think mm. you know that because you're a man, and I think we're often kind of led to think, "Oh, men wouldn't watch that." And that I don't think that's necessarily true. You seem like an enlightened gentleman. Um, 
I mean, I think it is slowly changing, but I think it's so slow that it might be the next generation of women that sort of sees the benefit of it. I think I might have aged out by that point. <laughs> but um, we all I do. Think all... You... I do agree. I, I, I asked the question because I am noticing and who I've spoken to and talked to about their experiences, the shift, but it is gradual and it does sometimes feel like it stalls. And then suddenly there's a flurry of really interesting content, either from uh, female creators, writers and actors. And then it feels like it's sped up again. And then, uh, you know, that it seems to stop start, basically. And that can be uh, uh, frustrating as, as a fan and a viewer and just someone that sometimes wants to enjoy horror regardless. I agree. Um, but, you know, progress is never just a straight line up. Mm. Progress is up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. But the, as long as the general trajectory is is going up, I suppose it's, um, we'll get there. It'll take time. Agreed. We will get there. We'll get there. And everyone will have to do that a little bit. Talking of which, um, when it comes to promoting yourself, um, is this an area that you think you're particularly strong at? So I'm talking about the social media side of things, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, X, whatever it is now, and so on. Um, and is it something you can enjoy? Um, I don't like promoting myself. I would rather promote the film. Mm -hmm. um, so I think when I when I do a lot of social media posting, it's usually because I'm promoting, you know, I, I'm at an event yeah. to promote. Like, for instance, I said on Wednesday, I went to promote Rachel's film. So the post tags, the film and stuff. So um, I kind of, I see it as more kind of promoting my work, also the work of the thing. Filmmaking is a team effort. So when I'm promoting a film, it's all the people in the film and the director and the writer and, and the low budget community in general. Yep. So I think um, that's how I look at it because otherwise I think it's you can get a bit sort of a um, bit kind of big headed, can't you? The endless images of here's another image of my face because you haven't mm. seen enough images of my face this week. Um, and unfortunately, social media encourages this kind of, um, I don't know, acting like we're all celebrities in our own lives or something or the. Um, yeah. Uh, you've got to be got to be careful, haven't you? It is a it's it is a, a, a it's a path that everybody has to walk, whatever they're doing. You know, you you say you were promoting the films and so on, but obviously through that you're also promoting your role in it and the work in it and the work that everyone around you has done. But keeping sane and enjoying it is a totally different thing. Um, how do you find a way to enjoy it? Um, I think it was certainly with social media, it's best not to take any of it too seriously, yeah. I would say, and just be aware, be aware that it is what it is. And it's all just a bit of fun. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I generally do enjoy it when I'm working with good people and I'm on set. Um, I suppose the, the kind of the depressing bit is all the auditions and all the sort yeah. of you know, hearing the sort of endless God. I mean, I've heard the word no hundreds of times, but I, I would also say don't take that too seriously either. Um, you know, just because you didn't get a certain role or they didn't, it, it doesn't mean anything. I've realized mm. um, all it means is. So when I've gone into audition rooms and they didn't want me, it just means they didn't see anything special in me. It doesn't mean there isn't something special in me. It just means they didn't see it. And everyone isn't going to see it, but that's okay. That's an incredible way to put it. Um, that is 
wonderful to hear but it's also something that a lot of people would struggle to be able to do rejection is hard for most people um and um can obviously have a detrimental effect on your mental health is this this attitude you have something you've built up over the years or something you've always had um I think I've always had self-belief and I think it the, the, the more you go through life the more you build hopefully you build your own confidence because you become more used to being in your own skin more comfortable in yourself you know I, I hope everyone is is more confident at 30 than they were at 20 for instance I would hope um hmm. and I think you've got to ask yourself as well when you're doing auditions you know who are these people auditioning me what who put them in charge by what criteria exactly are they better than me I, I and I think a lot of the time when you're auditioning the people you're auditioning for are not necessarily any smarter than me really so and I think you've just it, it's I see it more as a it's we're both equal and it's just it, you know, is this potential collaboration going to work for us or not and that's all it is. I think I'm not actually, they're not really superior to me, even if they might think they are, they're not. <laughs> Fantastic. For uh, anyone that follows and enjoys uh, your work and what you've done over the past eight years, is there any particular thing that they can do that you could say to them, look, we want to support you in some way. Um, what can we do? I mean, you don't have to do anything. It's very kind of you. Oh, um, you <laughs> bless you. Um, follow my Instagram if you like, or uh, yeah, you could, you could go and you could watch Dracula. It's, <laughs> it's it's in it's in Asda as well for seven pounds. Somebody saw it and took a picture of it and sent it to me, which I think is good. It's kind of I like that it's an accessible, it's in an accessible place and it's not too expensive because I think art shouldn't be beyond the means of the ordinary person so you could you could buy it when you're getting your groceries which i quite like that idea it doesn't have to be a big event you know yeah and i love that it's on physical media as well i know and i think it, it this might i mean steve was saying to me this might well be the last one of his films that is on physical media because it's sadly kind of dying out now so mm. i think i think in the next few years it'll become harder and harder to get physical media so i'm kind of pleased that we've made it onto dvd one of the last the last bastion of of, of dvds <laughs> i love that as well it's fantastic to say it is a dying uh media it's not long for this world it's still surprising that it still exists almost to this day and in fact as you said go to asda pick it up in there incredible right absolutely one more for you because we are coming up to an hour so we've definitely definitely oh my gosh have i been now. talking for an hour i'm so uh, sorry no no yeah, i'm more on and on i absolutely love it i love your time and i really appreciate the fact that you've done this so it's really this um and it's what's next so obviously you're going to be working on stuff that you can't tell me or talk to me about but is there anything you can share insights into what might be coming up in uh your future of course um I'm very lucky that uh, I've been cast in Derelict, which is Jonathan Zaurin's next film, which is epic. And I've never mm. seen, I think he's the most talented cinematographer I've ever worked with. And that's saying a lot because I've worked with a lot, but he is, he's an artist with the camera and he can paint with light and it's just going to be absolutely beautiful. And that was another thing where I wasn't cast originally. And then I sort of 
talked him into casting me instead. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So that's fantastic. And I feel very lucky to be involved. Uh, I've also got a little part in Bogeyville, which is Sean Cronin's uh, next film, which is a, an American vampire road movie. Mm-hmm. So, so <laughs> combining American road movie with vampire. Um, so yeah, and he's another very, very talented guy. And I'm very lucky to have so many talented people that want to work with me and make me make me look good through association <laughs> but of course uh what you offer and what you bring yourself uh can't be understated um and i look forward to seeing uh both not only that but what comes next uh aviana thank you so much for taking the time to do this i really appreciate it thank you for your time in speaking to me i am very very grateful so thank you thank you very much for watching if you'd like to see more content like this, please consider hitting the subscribe button. It is gratefully appreciated. You can find us over at gbhbl.com, our full website, where reviews, news, and so much more goes up daily. We're also on all social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, threads, at GBHBL. Just search for GBHBL and you will find us out there. We also have merchandise on sale. You can access the shop via the website.